Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my husband and co-host, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. I selected an episode today in light of the fact that we just celebrated 16 years of marriage a few days ago. That's right. Happy anniversary. It's exciting. I feel that we are we grow stronger every year and we go through life together and grow together and the ups and downs. We That's just keep the goal. Going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why it wasn't just our anniversary that sparked this topic. I also, I just have a huge heart and burden for marriages to be strong. We hear from the 80s, all it became popular that half of marriages end in divorce. Happy to announce decades after that, it has declined some in the U.S., which is great, but the numbers are still quite alarming. First marriages, on average, 42 to 45 percent end in divorce. Second marriage is 60%. Third marriage is 73%. Mm. And another way of putting this is 22% of women have been divorced at least once. 21% of men have been divorced at least once. Oh, yes. So those are sad, sad numbers. Eight Mm -hmm. years is the average length of a marriage. So we doubled it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the, the thing that I don't have stats for this part, but the reason why I consider marriage to be so important is that that's the way that God designed it. Yeah. And if you look at the statistics for juvenile delinquency, mm-hmm. teen pregnancies, basically everything that you try to avoid as a parent, mm-hmm. the majority of them come from homes without fathers. Or present fathers. Some have fathers, but they don't do much. Well, the majority of the statistics are from the dad's not even there. Yeah. And why isn't dad there? I mean, maybe they it's the result of a relationship where they were never married to begin with, um, which there's a whole other issue there with like men failing to accept responsibility for their actions and the woman being the one, because a lot of them are single parent families are single moms, not single dads. There are some of those, but primarily it's moms who are trying to raise the kids on their own and they're trying to do the best that they can because dad has just left. Mm -hmm. And I think that's at the root of a lot of these divorce numbers too, is that when things get difficult, we kind of live in a microwave disposable society. Yeah where it's like, well, this no longer serves my needs. I don't want this anymore, Mm -hmm. so I'll just end it. And our own personal belief when it comes to marriage is that this is a lifelong covenant and you're going to figure out a way to make it work. And we've been able to figure out a way to make it work because we've been dedicated to finding a way to make it work. I won't fail you. I won't quit on you. I won't leave you. And we feel that way. We both feel that way about each other. Mm -hmm. We entered this with a mutual agreement and covenant that we're in it for the long haul. And no matter what it takes, no matter how happy or how how sad or dark times can be, we're committed to each other. And there have been dark times. Yeah. There have been, I mean, no one goes into a relationship and everything just magically works. Honeymoon forever. Exactly. That is maybe what Hollywood portrays, Yeah, but it's not true. Right. <laughs> And you have to put in the effort to make it work. And if you do, then the result is worth it. But 
you know, a strong family, a strong marriage, it's, it's not a happy accident. No, it's true. And actually, it's funny. I listened to another podcast recently, and they were talking about arranged marriages. And it was a little bit of an alarming intro to the podcast. I'm like, arranged marriages? Who does that anymore? I mean, there are countries that still do that. but Cultures where that is common, yeah. It's interesting because the rates of happy marriages and the divorce rates are completely different for an arranged marriage versus a non-arranged marriage where you select <laughs> your partner. And they were they're describing this and explaining these dynamics. Mm-hmm. And what they have to do is, I, I didn't fall in love with you, like this Hollywood type of scenario, but we were placed together. And so we have to learn to love each other mm-hmm. and we have to choose to love each other. There's a lesson to be learned. There. Yes. And that's what the <laughs> podcast was about. It was about we can learn lessons from this because we have to continually, every day, choose to love. We have to choose to communicate. We have to choose to work through problems. Mm-hmm. Even if it hurts, we have to choose to see past. Love thinks the best. Yep. That doesn't mean we we just gloss over the issues or the problems with ourselves or our spouse, but love always considers the other person first, Mm-hmm. thinks of them in the best light and does everything they can to improve themselves and enhance their partner. Yep. And that is what we want to focus on today. And another thing I came across was that two years is the average span where a divorce from the moment that divorce is first considered to divorce being completed in the court. And if you think about two years, there's a lot that can happen in two years. I've heard so many stories of people separated and coming together. We had someone in our own life at our church for a short time, and they were separated. And we were we had an opportunity to serve them and bless their family for Christmas. And they ended up coming together again, and they're married to this day. And I'm not saying we're the sole that like to us be any praise or glory, but I'm just saying that a lot can happen. Mm-hmm. And just because there's a fight, just because there's a separation, that doesn't have to be the end of the story. Yep. And then another piece that inspired this episode was a lot of people I know, um, family or non-family, they've raised their children. Their children leave the home. And after they've been married like 25 years, they get a divorce. Mm. And I look at this going, wait a second, how can you be married for two and a half decades, raise your kids together, and then decide to get a divorce? And what it is, is I've talked to some of them, and they said, basically, we stayed married for the sake of the kids and raising them. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't have anything in common anymore and didn't love each other anymore. So we got a divorce. And that this gets to the crux of the message today. And that is, we must grow together every season, Every phase, every year of our marriage, growing together is essential because once you have children, they will demand your time. Yes, they and will. if you let them take all your time, you will not grow together as a couple because you were there first before the children. And it's not something that growing together is always an intentional choice. Uh, and it's never the default, I would argue. I don't care which two people you bring together, they will not grow together by accident. Yeah. It takes being aware of the other person and serving the other person's needs, being selfless. Yeah. Love is selfless. Um, in fact, I called a guy who wrote the men's curriculum that we use at our church. 
He has this definition of lust versus love, which I really like. Love is the desire to benefit the other at the expense of self. And lust is the desire to benefit self at the expense of other. And when you use that definition, lust goes far beyond a lot of the the sex stuff that people think about. Mm-hmm. You know, if I am wrapped up in my own little world, I'm only caring about what I am feeling and what I am going through, then I am not walking in love. I'm walking in lust. And that is naturally going to take your focus off of the family and the marriage and put it on yourself. And that's when you get frustrated and, well, this person isn't serving my needs anymore. And that's when those seeds get planted. But as long as you are focusing on the other person, then at least my experience, and I'm sure there are people who maybe you go into a relationship and they're not the person that you thought they were going to be. And, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, you know, we're not advocating that you stay together in in those situations, but primarily the only way to make it work is to put the other person above yourself to serve them. And then when you do that, when you, when you give first, then it gets given back to you. It's kind of the whole thing we were talking about in the last episode with like, if you want to have friends, you got to show yourself friendly. Mm -hmm. You can sit there and say, well, I'm going to wait for them to make the first move. They're not going to make the first move. But if you take responsibility, you can create the strong marriage that you want by serving the other person. And then it will be reciprocated back to you. That's how this virtuous circle works. It's how it was designed to be. And we just have to fight our selfish emotions, which get in the way pretty much every day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I I didn't read this book, but you just finished a book, Leaders Eat Last. And yeah. marriage requires leadership. Mm-hmm. And what our pastor always says is, everyone's a leader. You had to lead yourself out of bed this morning. Yep. And leaders will put other people first, will serve them. And it reminds me of Jesus what did mm-hmm. he do? He washed his disciples' feet. <laughs> yeah, so Jesus was a leader. Jesus was also a salesperson. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, yes. People tell me, oh, I just am not a salesperson. Like, yes, you are. If you're married, you sold yourself at least once. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true. But when people think of sales, they think of the negative aspect of that. They use car salesman who's just trying to take my money, sell me a lemon, and then disappear off the face of the earth. That's not what true sales is all about. Sales is about is is about communicating to somebody that you have their best interest in mind and you are able to solve a problem that they have in a business world. Mm-hmm. You are going to solve that problem for monetary gain. You're going to profit off of it, but the other person is completely okay with it because you are going to give them the result that they want or they couldn't get on their own. Yeah. And it's the same sort of thing with leadership and yep. it's exactly the same way in a family and in mm-hmm. a marriage. Yeah, it is. It all is the same principle and it, it takes effort. It's not an easy task, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get offended if you're married at times, you know, you'll bother each other. You have pet peeves, but when we keep the main thing, the main thing and focus on each other and what brought us together in the first place and growing together, then we can make it through any and every issue of life. Yep. 
There are some hot buttons, though, that we wanted to share with you that we've learned over the years. And this actually comes from Dr. Ed Cole, his men's curriculum. One of his book topics is actually called Communication, Sex, and Money. Those three things are the two, are like the three hot topics in marriage. Those are the three big sources of divorce. So if these are the three things we can continually work on, work on improving, work on getting better at, Mm -hmm. we will have a thriving, strong marriage. And I would say the biggest one where it all starts is the communication. A lot of the stuff that we were talking about before, growing apart instead of growing together, Mm -hmm. that's the result of no communication. Yes. Yep. You can feel like you're an island left alone to yourself sometimes if you're not communicating. We've done that. We've been in our own little silos of life. Mike head down with his work stuff, and I'm just plugging in with the kids, you know, the homeschooling, the household duties, my own thing. But being the fact that Mike has his studio at home and works from home 95% of the time, and I'm home a lot, we have to communicate mm-hmm. to make it work because he records sometimes. Obviously, we're <laughs> recording right now and we have a big dog. So we have to communicate these schedules and things like that. Yeah, and even communicate to the kids. I mean, this isn't the the sole focus of this particular episode, but before we recorded, mm-hmm. we have a button that on my desk right here that I can press, it says on air, turns the hue light at the top of the stairs red. So people open the door, they know, oh, mom or da- mom and dad are recording. Yep. So I need to be quiet if I'm going to go downstairs. Yeah. And that's just a simple little thing. It's like a little cue. Yep. And that's a system that we identified on like, how can we communicate so that whoever is downstairs recording, primarily me, yeah. <laughs> especially during the work week. Yep does not get interrupted. And that kind of highlights one of the the things with this sort of stuff is like, you can get upset after the fact, like, oh, this shouldn't have happened. And obviously we should have communicated prior to this. Then we wouldn't be in this difficult situation, have to work through this stuff. Well, that's great. But how do we just improve it for next time? Yeah. You know, we can create a system and we can proactively take care of some of this stuff. Because communication, again, does not just happen. It's not the default. Right. You have to fight for it, especially when you have a bunch of little people who are fighting for your attention yeah. too. It's limited. So you got to create the time and space for that communication yeah. to happen and provide the action for it. To, I mean, we don't have to go into every single communication, you know, strict outline. We got we to gotta make sure we answer these specific questions. Mm-hmm. That's not really the goal. But when we do go into it with even just a little bit of structure, which is where like the the family meeting stuff, we've got a whole episode on on that stuff if you want to know the specifics of that. But that's what it does is it provides a little bit of structure yep. for the communication to happen. And then from there, it can just flow. Yeah. And I have to be be intentional not to keep using that word, but it's so appropriate about communicating because I grew up and needed to be very responsible early on because I grew up in a single parent family and the situation required it. And so I'll just do my thing. I'll make it happen. I'll make sure everyone needs what has what they need. And oh wait, I have a husband who needs to know what's going on too. And Mike can attest to this that I have to put in a lot of effort to make sure 
I'm not just doing my own thing and making things happen, but I'm also communicating to him what the plan is. So I can, he has a great insight. And when I don't get his insight and just try and do it all on my own, I miss stuff (laughs) and I make it harder on myself. But when I talk to him, he'll be like, what about this? Or how about this? I'll be like, oh, yeah. That's it works great. the other way too. Yeah. You know, that's the whole idea is yeah. that generally it's very different people who end up being drawn together that's and accurate. you're better as a team because <laughs> you have different strengths, yes. different perspectives. So leverage those strengths and don't mm-hmm. try to do it all yourself. Opposites attract. It's very true. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know if that's true for every single relationship, but it's definitely true for us. And that communication, it, it is like, it's like two pieces of the puzzle coming together and where you're weak, I'm strong, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And when both of us are weak in an area, well, we can both make an effort and it makes it easier. That's when you figure out where you can get some outside help. Yep. And that communication, that just brings us into unity. And then we're pulling in the same direction. We're not pulling in opposite directions because that never works. Yeah, we've mentioned this before, but the importance of pulling in the same direction is illustrated by the two horse rule, which is one of my favorite. And it basically says that if you have two horses that are pulling in the same direction, it's a force multiplier. So if each horse can pull 150 pounds, pulling together, it's not 300 pounds, it's more like 450 pounds that they're able to pull. But the minute that they start pulling in opposite directions, obviously everything stops. (laughs) Yeah. So that is a picture of a marriage where you're not on the same page and you just end up doing your own thing. We've both been guilty of yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. And then stuff crashes and burns mm-hmm. and then we're like, why? What happened? Oh, <laughs> yeah. we didn't communicate. Yeah. We thought it wasn't necessary. Oh, yeah. We can just do this quick it's on our own. hot topic. Yeah. Hot button word. <laughs> necessary. Is it necessary? It is necessary. Communication is vital. Yes. Communication is always necessary. Yeah. In fact, talking to Ed Cole, he has a these little colisms they're called. <laughs> and one of the things that he said is that communication is the basis yes, of life. So good. Where there is no communication, that means there is no life. Wow. If there's no communication in the business, there is no life in the business. The visionary, the CEO may know exactly what to do, but if he doesn't communicate it, he or she does not communicate it to the employees, then nothing happens Mm -hmm. or the employees go and do something else that they think is better and it actually ends up hurting the company. If there is no communication in a marriage, there is no life in the marriage. If there is no communication in the family, there is no life in the family. Mm. We need to communicate to our kids. Uh, I think if there's a hierarchy here, it's first mom and dad need to be on the same page and then they both need to be communicating to the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. They run wild is another they run wild. translation. Yep, yep exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if your kids are kids. running wild, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're not doing a great job communicating directly yes. to them. And, and communication, I mean, yeah. this is, uh, I remember Sean West, he has that communication yeah, episode. Yeah, such a good episode. And he said there that if you say something and even if you hear it coming back to you, mm-hmm. that does not mean that you have communicated effectively. Mm-hmm. And it is your responsibility as the person sending the message to make sure that it is received and that it is acted upon appropriately. So I can't just keep saying, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room 10,000 times 
hoping that eventually my kids are going to get it. Now there is repetition that's going to be required there. I can tell you that much from experience. <laughs> But also, if they're not doing it, you have to ask yourself why. Well, they haven't received the message yet. Then at that point, I can get mad at my kids for completely ignoring me, or I can take responsibility and try to fix it by saying I must not have communicated yeah. it effectively. So I'm going to try something a little bit different. We're going to try a different incentive system. Right. You know, and it's not just like a punishment. You're going to lose this stuff unless you do it. Yeah. Well, and communication isn't just speaking. It's there's a movement action involved. Yeah. So with that specific example, I don't want to go down too far this way, but have we shown them how to clean up properly? Have we shown right. that? Have we given them a place to put their things? If they don't have a place for things, then. It can be overwhelming for a little kid to say, clean it up, where do I put it? But they yep. don't know how to say that, so they just don't do it. But that right. all is fixed by communication. And like you said, that is the basis. And then sex and money, those come and are improved by also communication. Yes, you don't get the last two without the first one. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It just does. No, doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> and um, sex specifically, that can be known as like the glue of your marriage, the oxytocin chemicals that we've actually talked about in the last episode, mm -hmm. that that's, that's a incredibly powerful chemical in your body. And what it does is it binds. So in that covenant marriage relationship, when the couple is healthy and strong and they're communicating and they have a sex life, let's just be real. They have that glue that holds their marriage together. And when things happen, when tough times come or you get a bad report or some family member is going through something, you have that connection. You're communicating. You have that glue that's holding you together. You have those chemicals that are continually reinforcing your covenant relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful. Yeah. And then the the money piece of this, you know, money is amoral. You have in the notes that basically means it is a tool. It, it is not good. It is not evil. One of the most misquoted verses is that one about the love of money being the root of all evil. And it is not the it's money, money itself. itself right? It's the love, love of the money yep. that is actually the the lust for the things that you can get with mm -hmm. the money, that's the thing that is is evil. Uh, and so money is simply, it, I guess the best way to, to say this is that uh, you don't live to work, you work in order to live. Yeah. Once you know the kind of life that you want to have and the types of relationships that you want to have with your significant other and with your kids, then the money that you would earn is simply a tool to help you live that lifestyle and to do all the good that you can with everything that you can and all the time that you can while you are here on this earth. Uh, but it is also not something that you are just born with this innate sense of how to steward it properly. Yeah, And we've had to kind of learn the hard way Uh, we've gone through a couple different things. One of them is the Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey, which helped us a lot and, and taught us basically how to make the most of the resources that we have. That's ultimately our goal. We want to be good stewards of what we've been 
entrusted with. Mm -hmm. And that means our time. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the relationships, the influence that we have over the people that have been placed in our lives. And then also with the money that we're entrusted with, because we have a very specific purpose for using that to build the kingdom of God. That's why we are here. That is essential to the Schmitz family. It's mm -hmm. in our core values. Yep. So we want to make Find sure- the need that, and meet it. Exactly. And we want to make sure everything that we've been given, we're using in the proper way. Money is one of those tools that we can use, but we do need to make sure that we are hitting the mark with it. Yes. Gary Cassie is another author that has some really great resources on that. A fun read is The Richest Man in Babylon. Am I getting that right? I think so. Do you remember that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just another fun one. We probably have a few more we can think of to put in the show notes because we've read a lot of books. <laughs> That's true. But it, you know, money could be something that really tears your marriage apart, or it could be something that you just start to learn to communicate with. And if it's broken, if you have debt piling up, there is a way out. Mm -hmm. And don't let a dollar amount tear apart the most important relationship. Yeah, the the thing about money is like you can find yourself in this hole and we have found ourselves there and we've dug ourselves out a couple different times. <laughs> uh, but the, it can seem insurmountable, but nothing is insurmountable when you have alignment and you have communication, you are better together. Yep. You are stronger together. There's a reason mm -hmm. that you were brought together. And when you both get on the same page and you communicate effectively, that's when you really start to make some progress yeah. against those things that yep. seem like they're controlling you. Mm -hmm. So again, like the basis of all of this stuff to get to the point where you have the freedom, yeah, you got to communicate effectively. Yeah, it's true. And we've touched on some of these things that we do to make sure we're communicating and have time together and carving out time first for each other. One of the ones I'm working on doing better at and, and, and uh, to be specific for you is setting aside all the household tasks, all the school-related ministry, whatever, in the evenings and just sitting in the living room with my husband and not worrying about all that. If it got done, it got done. If it didn't get done, it didn't get done. It's not the end of the world. Another 30 to 60 minutes in the evening is not going to make or break whatever I have on my to-do list. Right. And that is a challenge for me. And I could be reading a book sitting by him, but the fact that I'm just by him in the living room is carving out space for us to have, even just being by each other, even if he's reading a book and I'm reading a book and we're not talking, just being together. Yep. We've talked about some of the other ones, like, we, we do prioritize date nights. And sometimes when I talk to other married couples about date nights, I feel bad because they'll say, well, we haven't had one in a, in a few months or a year. And I start to feel bad like, oh, we have them. <laughs> we try to every week. It doesn't happen every week, but we try to carve out once Almost a week. week. That's the goal. Yep. And then I quickly tell, remind myself, don't feel bad about it, but inspire others to try to carve out more time. And remember, that time together is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And 
that has caused us to have great strength in our marriage. I'm trying to think of like the excuses for not doing that. Uh, I think maybe one would be it takes up too much time. Okay. And number two would maybe be it costs too much. Okay. To which I would say you don't need to go out to a fancy restaurant mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Maybe you do have to pay a babysitter, but there are things that you can do. Get a little bit creative mm-hmm. and don't go into it thinking, well, I need to have this picture of a date. We both get really dressed up and we <laughs> yeah. go to the fancy restaurant. Yeah. You know, that That's fine. We do that too. But not every time. No. Most of the time we don't do that, actually. The, yeah. The important thing is just that you have the the time together to yep. communicate. And then in terms of the, uh, the time, I think this is one of those things where you will never have time for it until you prioritize it. Yep. So you can look at it through a scarcity mindset with both of these things, time and money, and say, we just can't make it work. Mm-hmm. And I would say... You just can't afford not to make it yeah. work because <laughs> mm-hmm. investing in your marriage is the best investment that yeah. you can make. Mm-hmm. You won't see it. It won't show up on, a, on an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> there won't be a, a percentage to the ROI mm-hmm. for, <laughs> for date night, but it is absolutely there. Yes. And as simple as going on a long walk together. Actually, one of my most specific memories of us with time spent together in the last five years was a walk around our neighborhood in the evening after the kids were in bed. Maybe you have a neighborhood, a little, an elderly person or a a young person that would be willing to come over for 30 to 60 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't Even after your kids are in bed and go walk around in your neighborhood or sit on your back porch together or something, that doesn't cost any money, especially if you have someone that's willing to just sow into your family. And it is very, very well worth it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There are other things that we have talked about before, sharing a common goal or purpose or interest. We joined Toastmasters together over a year ago, and that's been a fun thing that we do together. With the goal of launching this podcast. Yeah, actually, we started Toastmasters like two months before, and you had been a member for years before that. Mm-hmm. But that, that's been a fun thing that we've done together. And that's taken a lot of communication, <laughs> obviously. Yep. We're talking right now. But yep. bike rides and things like that. Um, overnights, we try to do those quarterly or at mm-hmm. least twice a year. Oh, where we we've, go overnight we've been doing somewhere. them quarterly with the exception of COVID. They were actually every month for a while. That's right. Just felt like one night once a month. That's yep. true. Yeah, That was a powerful 24 hours. That was like a battery charge for me. That was, but the quarterly has been really good too that we've tried to maintain. Yep. And double dates with other couples has been really fun too, where you're not interrupted by the children every 20 <laughs> seconds, where you can actually have a full conversation. That's true. You know, this is kind of interesting for us specifically because I am very introverted <laughs> and I left to my own preferences. Give me a book and <laughs> give me solitude. <laughs> but we've prioritized this and we've done some stuff like having families over too. But the double dates specifically, I find that my in the natural, my emotions, I'm, I'm not really looking forward. Like it's a drain on me 
emotionally um, I, whenever we do this sort of thing. But something happens when we are together with another couple and we can communicate on a different level that way. Yep. As a husband and a wife to another husband and a wife. Yeah, it's true. And I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, there are certain things that you can't accomplish on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, there's magic when you come together. Yeah, it's it's like it's mutual uplifting experience mm-hmm. where it helps the other couple and it helps you and it gives you a different perspective. Yep. And we're not building our own little lives and being selfish like me, just my husband and my kids, but we're looking at the bigger picture and who else do I want to pull into my life? Pulling each other up, right? Yep. If you are struggling in your marriage, just please don't let the two years go by if you're considering a divorce. <laughs> Do something. First of all, communicate with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if that doesn't go anywhere, bring in a trusted pastor or some relationship like that. Bring in another party that can help mutually come together and communicate and help bring help sort out what's going on. Yeah. You know, just because you happen to be going through a, a rough spot doesn't mean that this is broken and it's beyond repair. Yeah. We've been there before. Mm-hmm. And every relationship is going to have those ups and downs. The fact yeah. that you are struggling, maybe, that's not an indication of your failure as a leader or not a knock on your character. You're not a bad person because you have an issue in your relationship. But what you do with that is very important. Yeah. You know, don't let it sit there and fester, get it taken care of. Yeah. And get some outside help. Yeah. Don't be too proud. Don't be too ashamed to ask for help. And it doesn't mean you're incompatible. You know, you hear those words, all these psychology type terms thrown around like, well, we're having marriage trouble, so I don't think we're compatible anymore. Well, we're compatible if we decide to be compatible. <laughs> right. Like if we're married and we love each other, we believe we're supposed to get married, all of that good stuff, we're compatible and we make it work. Mm-hmm. We make those puzzle pieces fit together. There is no problem that is unsolvable. Yeah. You may not have the answer, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yep. And when you said we don't sweep issues under the rug, it it's so true. And I, I have a tendency to do that, which is not good. I'll just <laughs> keep going like, oh, it'll be fine. But it's not fine. The <laughs> absence of conflict is not, not the, the presence of peace. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So I think I've mentioned this before too, but when I've studied peace in the recent past, the phrase that I have come come across as I'm studying it is peace to subdue. Subdue is a very active word. Mm-hmm. If you're subduing, that means there's something come again coming against you that you ne- need to put down. Yep. That you need to put in its place. And peace in a marriage comes when we communicate, when we deal with the issues, when we say, this hurt me when mm-hmm. you did this or when you said this, or 
I see this happening or this thing is coming, this bill is here, whatever it is, this child is acting like this or whatever it may be, good, bad, bill, I don't know, whatever it is. (laughs) Just communicating and not just trying to figure it out on your own. That's my big continual lesson. (laughs) And the last step I would have is have a short memory. Yes. Don't hold on to stuff. Forgive quickly. That's yep. why the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger or on your <laughs> wrath. I mean, I'm so glad that other people have forgiven me. My children have forgiven me. My husband's forgiven me. Whoever else. And because love um, thinks the best and mm-hmm. love keeps no record of wrongs. Right. And if you find yourself angry with your spouse and you want to start pulling up dirt and you did this and this is never going to change just bite your tongue if you have to yep right then and there because how would you feel do you like it would you like it if they, your spouse started doing that to you and pulling up all <laughs> that dirt Mm-mm-mm. nope what's well, what's gonna happen you yep. know you gotta you gotta take a, a step in the right direction first like we talked about at the very beginning and then it'll be reciprocated yep but if you're gonna be judgmental then you're going to find yourself being judged and you're not blameless no matter how much you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like weeds if you've ever done weeding. When you get them when they're little, it's much easier. But if you let them take root, it's a, you have to dig them out and try and get all the root. And if not, they're just going to keep coming back. That's what happens if we don't resolve issues. Yeah. And we just got to We just got to do it. We just got to take care of it and not say, oh, look, do you remember all those weeds? That were out there, you did that. No, we just, <laughs> Those we are your weeds. Those are your weeds, <laughs> not mine. Another great way to grow and get counsel is reading great books. Again, we can share a lot of resources in that department. Um, also, find seasoned married couples and take them out for dinner and pay for their dinner and ask them questions. Or mm-hmm. if you're going through something and you trust them, Say, we're going through this. Can we talk this through? There's so much value. Our pastors actually say it's funny because most of the time when people come into their office, they, okay, they know what their problem is and they actually know the solution, but they need someone to talk it through with as a sounding board. (laughs) And by the end of it, they have the solution. And it's not because, and our pastors say this, they're like, it's not because we gave them the answer. They knew on the inside what they should do, but they needed communication. Yeah. It's true. Shines a light on those things and helps you see them for what they really are. Yes. So the crux of today's message is grow together. No matter what it takes, pull up the little things, the little weeds that try and come in and spoil your harvest, spoil your garden, and don't just sweep all those problems under the rug. Don't be a statistic. We don't want to be. We refuse to be. And We just really hope and pray that you are inspired to make some adjustments, to communicate more clearly with one another, no matter how easy or hard that is, just keep communicating. Invest in each other, spend time together, prioritize your spouse above every other relationship. And with that, you will have a strong, lasting marriage. Thanks for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.